Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Yes, the hiatus is over. I'm back, and I'm going to be back for a while. I don't see myself taking off or taking any time off again anytime in the foreseeable future. You can probably tell by the sound of my voice. I have replenished the batteries, restored, filled the tank, however you want to put it. Anyway, um, I've got a lot of good stuff coming for you, uh, particularly on the Fox Sports app and foxsports.com. I spent the last few days talking to an array of GMs, coaches, and scouts in preparation for the season, and I've also started checking out a few preseason games. I'm always leery of drawing any conclusions from what I see because exhibition games don't really resemble a regular season game. Summer league games actually might resemble them more. But I was particularly curious about a couple of the rookies and what the Warriors look like without Draymond Green and what the Lakers look like in general. On the former... Uh, or the middle one, Draymond, the Warriors without Draymond, not very good defensively. On the Lakers, it's hard to tell because new coach Darvin Ham has been mixing and matching his lineup so much. And let's face it, they're a veteran group and the story of the Lakers is really going to be told on how do they mesh over the long haul. And... Does Anthony Davis and LeBron James, do they stay healthy? Now, I'll get to what I have seen of Anthony Davis and some interesting intel on LeBron James in the next podcast. This one is going to be dedicated to the Warriors and the dust-up between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green that has prompted a lot of questions about the team's chemistry and ability to repeat as champions. Let me start by saying that A player punching a teammate or 
trying to punch a teammate in practice is not all that extraordinary. I don't want anybody to think it happens every day, but having witnessed quite a few practices over the years, and not just ones over the more recent protocol where the media is loud in for the last 10 minutes to watch players shoot free throws and the end of the bench players and younger assistant coaches play three on three so that the essentially mostly so that the cameras uh, can get b-roll for the news reports Uh, i can tell you guys mixing it up in practice happens they're fighting for minutes and jobs and so it's going to get and there are no referees so it's going to get physical now i had the chance to watch almost entire practices routinely at the start of my career boy i did not know how good i had it how special that was how valuable it was and occasionally more recently teams sneak me in without where when they can without ticking off the rest of the media uh, for giving me that special access. In any case, Steve Kerr, the Warriors head coach, said it. Uh, and I believe he said he'd witnessed well over a dozen such incidents during his 30-plus years in the league. Maybe he said 20. I can't remember the exact number. But it was uh, double digits, certainly. And I can't say that I've seen that m- many in person, but I've seen my share. And I've heard of plenty of others. So let's be clear. Draymond punching pool isn't the egregious act that some in the media have made it out to be or people in the public. It's not a cross the line and can never go back type of incident. Again, in spite of what some in the media and the public have suggested. We've become hyper, hyper sensitive. We now get worked up about everything and i've always said you pull back the curtain people want access they want to see what really goes on how the sausage is made you can't get upset finding out what they put in the sausage or what goes on to suggest that somehow it's not uh, it's not civil you can have it one way or the other you can find out how things get done, or you can remain oblivious and imagine them to be all hunky-dory. One or the other. But the reality is, for the circumstances, for what's at stake, things are going to get heated in practices. Guys are going to throw punches. There's a lot at stake. So let's, again, be clear. Draymond punching pool isn't the egregious act that some in the media have made it out to be. Um, And Kerr, in addressing it, was rather terse in his initial answers when asked about the team's reaction to the incident. And that was interpreted by some as Kerr being fed up and ready to move on from Draymond. And I'm not so sure about that. Is he upset with him? For sure. Draymond didn't just get into a war of words or a shoving match. He walked over to Jordan and staggered him with a hell of a punch. This is a young, precocious teammate being swung on by a team leader. What I can't help think that really bothers Kerr 
is the video. And not just that there was a video and that the video got out, but it's someone inside the practice facility who took the video and leaked it. And judging by the angle of the video, it was not taken at floor level, but somewhere above it, which would mean it was taken from an area that only team personnel and select guests and visitors are allowed access. I've been in that training facility many a time. So it's not some random member of the media or other general visitor. That's what has to make Kerr and everyone with the Warriors particularly angry and troubled. Someone with privileged access did something that has now created a major problem. They essentially have a traitor within their midst, or did, and that traitor has left them wounded and vulnerable. Like, you hear all the time about how the court and the locker room are the player's sanctuary, their safe place. That's doubly so for their practice court, even more so than the arena court. It is home base. Uh, think about your family living room, the conversations that you have with your family. Like, would you want those aired publicly? Could they be the same if you knew that they were all going to be videotaped and dispersed? That's why the Kardashians and all of the reality TV shows that dive into a family's inner workings. Like, even, I think I mentioned The Bachelor or Bachelorette or whatever, those shows... Like, I don't know how people can really be real and work out their problems and feel as if they're going to find some resolution doing all that for an audience. And especially if you don't know that, that that's what's happening, which is the case with the Warriors. So now every player and coach who walks onto the floor can't help but feel a little different about it now that, that that sanctuary has been violated. Even if it was your your living room and you didn't know that you were being videotaped, you'd never walk into that living room again because you'd have the memory of being surreptitiously videotaped. And maybe some of you understand this, but for those who don't, this is how conflicts or squabbles or disputes potentially grow beyond the ability of a coach or a team to resolve them. And it's when the public and the media are given material to amplify it. It's why the reality TV shows make so much sense. Because do you really want resolution? Do you want a happy ending? Or would you rather have things messy? Messy sells. Happiness doesn't. And so a fight, an argument, a dispute that isn't documented with video or audio is vague. If it's all hearsay, then it leaves a lot of questions that don't allow it to land quite the same way. Was it really a punch? Was it open-handed or closed? Did it really land? Or was it like one of the many errant sloppy swing fists we see all the time? If that's the case, if we're guessing at really how serious it was, well, 
The team can then shape how serious it was, and it's easy to play down and move on publicly while doing the necessary fence-mending internally. But the video allows Jordan Poole and everyone who knows him, who has ever known him, to see what actually happened. To see Poole go down in a heap. Because Draymond, as I said, clearly tagged him pretty good. And it has to feel and look different for Poole to see it. And then know that everybody else is seeing it, watching it on repeat. Same thing with Draymond. Everyone who doesn't like Draymond or thinks ill of him now has certifiable ammo to say, see, I told you the dude was bad news. And how does Poole deal with the blow to his pride getting dropped like that for all the world to see? How does he get past that? This is what smartphones and social media platforms have brought to the dynamics of sports that teams and players didn't have to deal with before is a very real element that teams have to contend with. Couple that with the heightened sensitivity that I mentioned about every interaction that challenges our senses that someone can point to and scream loud and long about it being uncivilized or unacceptable. And now how the Warriors handle the incident is fodder for public judgment and opinion. And it already is with Draymond being fined but not suspended. People are already passing judgment. Not nearly enough. Oh, please. Stop it. You don't know what led up to this. You don't know what the relationship between Jordan and Draymond was. You don't know what the conversations have been since it happened and how it's being uh, ameliorated. You don't know how much the fine is. If it's a million-dollar fine, does that change your view? I, I just we, we're in this place now where we constantly want people beaten over the head for their mistakes. We all make mistakes, and this is a doozy by Draymond. I'm not arguing that at all, but this idea that we can stand from the outside and judge what's appropriate with very little knowledge about what other actions are being taken or what led up to the incident is. It's just, it's taking, taking shots that don't really mean a whole lot. In any case, that, I think, is why Kerr was so terse in his answers initially about how the team responded to Draymond's apology. Because how the team responded isn't enough. Resolving it within the team isn't going to be enough. Every time Jordan and Draymond interact this season, it's going to be dissected publicly. If Draymond looks pool off or barks at him, or Jordan ignores Draymond, or celebrates a basket and misses a high five that Draymond put up, or Draymond doesn't give him one, everyone is going to reference back to the the practice altercation and use it as proof that there remains a lingering issue between the two of them that is disrupting team chemistry and questions are going to be asked post-game press conferences or it's going to be raised on talk shows hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Also understand this. If you told me two warriors got into a scuffle, Jordan and Draymond would have been my first guess. Because going back to last year, I was told that Andre and Draymond played good cop, bad cop with Jordan. Now, it was told to me as a contributing factor to Jordan's growth, not as a bad thing. But it was clear that Draymond felt the need to call Jordan out or put him in his place more than once last season. Now, without actual evidence of how he did it, it was easy to put it in the category of just you know stern talking to, pulling a guy aside, barking at him during practice or a game. And there was an incident where they had an exchange of words during a game. So we know that there was some of that. There was already a few indications. But in any case, you wouldn't make more of it than that. It's hard to find fault with that barking coming from an accomplished veteran and directing it at a young, brash talent like Poole. Now, none of this means the Warriors can't get past this or that it is an obstacle to them repeating as champions. Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr in practice before the start, I think it was training camp, before the 95-96 season. It didn't stop the Bulls from completing their second three-peat or Jordan trusting Kerr with the shot that clinched the second of those three titles in Game 6 of the 1997 Finals. Kerr, or Kerr joking at the parade that he had to bail out Michael once again. If anybody knows how a team repairs itself after such an incident, Kerr does. But again, didn't have to deal with video being out there. Can't ignore the impact that that has. And he also can't draw too direct of a line between what he experienced and what Poole did. This can't be Steve going to Jordan and saying, hey, I, you know, I got punched by Michael and we went and won a championship anyway. He can't draw that direct of a line because the dynamics are so different. I'm sure Poole, I mean, <laughs> if Steve did that, I could see Jordan looking at him with that tilted dog look, like, what the hell are you talking about? Because the dynamics are different. I'm sure Poole considers himself a far better player than Steve ever was. And I'm sure that he does not view Draymond as an equal to Michael. So, trying to suggest that this can get pat, that they can get past it because of that, or that Kerr can relate. Uh, again, no video out there. That would not be the way to go. I think best best approach Kirk can have is simply to utilize the knowledge that he has about what it took and how the team got past it, how the team collectively operated to get past it, not to think that he can take what he experienced and relate it to Jordan, and that's going to solve the problem. And there's another factor at play here. Draymond's place in the team, which 
so happens to be directly impacted by Poole's emergence. There were already questions being raised about the Warriors' ability to pay Poole and Andrew Wiggins and extend Draymond, and that if someone had to go, it probably would be Draymond. Now, for that to happen, the Warriors have to begin grooming Jonathan Kaminga as a defensive replacement. Not a direct replacement for Draymond. Kaminga isn't capable of that, and I don't know that anybody on the roster is. But as a contributor to ease Draymond's absence. And to do that, Kaminga has to get minutes. Minutes that probably would normally go to Draymond. Now, this wouldn't be an issue if Draymond was in the middle of a long-term contract. Resting him during the season, keeping him fresh for the end of the year... All well and good. But Draymond is looking to get an extension, looking to prove that he deserves an extension. And so he has to play more minutes than less to justify that. He has to demonstrate that his impact is still stronger than ever, particularly since he's learning, he's looking to earn a max extension. So how does Kerr navigate all of that now in light of the punch? It's why... And asking coaches and scouts and GMs around the league and those conversations that I've had over the last few days, who the next star would be that demands a trade, several suggested it would be Draymond. Now, Stephen A. Smith came out and said if Draymond left the Warriors, he would love to be a Laker. I can't dispute that. I just wish Stephen A. had been direct and said, Rich Paul... LeBron and uh, Draymond's agent told Stephen if Draymond leaves the Warriors, he wants to join the Lakers. Because that's the only place that it would come from. It's the only place that it would come from where Stephen A. could say it with the, uh, the confidence and assurance that he did. Draymond's not telling him that. Nobody else is telling him that. Rich Paul is telling him that. And it's self-serving self-serving for Rich. One, it puts pressure on the Warriors to re-sign Draymond because I'm sure they don't want to see him joining up with LeBron and AD in their own division, especially in their own division, with anybody in their own division. Two, it distracts from the fact that Rich and the Clutch Agency and LeBron have had a massive hand in making the Lakers what they are, which to the wide array of people in the NBA I talked to over the last week, is not even a consideration as a title contender or serious threat to the Warriors in the West. Now, as for Draymond actually asking for a trade, I can't say I agree that he's going to be the next star to do that. But I can see why people around the league would think that. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. That's why fining him an undisclosed amount rather than suspending him, makes the most sense. Suspend him for a game, and it only increases the disconnect, the separation, and the belief that the Warriors feel capable of playing without Draymond, in his mind, with no one else's. It is now impossible to remove completely from the public discourse what happened, because that video clip isn't going anywhere. But they don't need to create added reminders, which is what suspending him would do. 
suspending him for one or a multitude of games. Look, the pool of title contenders is deep this year. Nine or ten teams can rightfully think they have a shot if they're healthy at the end of the season. Imagine if a loss or two suffered with Draymond serving a suspension ends up being the difference between home court advantage in the playoffs or leads to more difficult matchups. You don't think that's going to be a talking point on all the shows? Even the, even the broadcast partners might have to delve into that. Finally, Kerr mentioned that Steph Curry has been working behind the scenes to resolve the situation by getting the team to meet and talk about what happened. I think it's extremely important to note Steph Curry did not come out and tell us this. Steve Kerr did. There's a big difference there. And save me the media who are tongue-bathing Steph for doing that. It's kind of gross and embarrassing, the tongue-bathing that is. It's who Steph is and who he has long been. And it's why the Warriors were able to fall off the map and then find their way back to another title. But there's no need to go overboard at this point and lavish praise on Steph for doing what the best player on the team should do. Or to say that if the Warriors find their way past this, Steph will be a big reason why. We don't know any of that. We don't know what will get them past this. Steph trying to take care of things behind the scenes? Exactly what he should be doing. Good on him. And it doesn't surprise me in the least that he would be. But there's no need to present him with flowers for something that hasn't been achieved yet or that we're not even certain that what he is trying to do right now is the key to making that happen. It just seems like someone going out of their way to try to lavish praise on Steph or get up uh, cozy up to Steph I don't know it's uh, I'll just leave it at that now for those of you suggesting Steph isn't a leader and never has been I can only chalk that up to unmitigated dislike for Steph or to the fact that you don't know what leadership looks like or consists of the rah-rah stuff in front of the cameras is about 1% of what leadership is all about. I, it cracks me up when people get upset when a, a, a coach on the sideline, his team's not playing well, and, and, and the coach isn't reacting or getting upset or reading his team the, the, the riot act. Or conversely, he is, and they're like, ooh, that's leadership. Nah, that's not leadership. That's a guy who didn't prepare his team and is upset about it. And every now and then, it turns, turns things for a team. It gets guys to step up. But that's rare. And it shouldn't be something that you have to pull. That's not a card you should have to pull on a regular basis. The rah-rah stuff, as I said, that's, and you don't think they don't know that the cameras are on them? Real leadership comes from a daily example behind the scenes when nobody is looking, when nobody wants to work out and you're like, I'm getting in the, in, the, in the weight room, which then gets everybody else in the weight room. And it's not just by putting in the work. 
It's also self-sacrifice. How many stars would willingly come off the bench for three consecutive playoff games because that's what his coach believed was in the best interests of the team, as Steph did to start last year's playoffs, giving the starting job to Jordan Poole? How much do you think that weighs into Steph's ability to talk to Jordan now about the incident with Draymond Green? How valuable that is. How many stars would kill themselves just to get a mediocre team like the Warriors had two years ago into the play-in games and a shot at the playoffs? Not your boy LeBron. The support Steph shows every single teammate on a daily basis is extraordinary. If you're not around the team on a daily basis, you might not know that. Or maybe you don't understand how both vital and rare for a player of Steph's standing that is. I might be wrong in making this guess, but my suspicion is that LeBron fans who resent the shine Steph is getting are behind the Steph leadership slander. So let me make this clear. In terms of all-around ability, LeBron is a better player. There's no debate when it comes to that. LeBron can affect a game in far more ways than Steph can. But as a leader, the disparity is just as great. LeBron has had the success he has had because he considers what is best for him first and foremost. He made the decision, and I have this on authority from someone who was in the Lakers organization last year, that he gave up on trying to win with last year's team to pursue the scoring title. The evidence was there. I presented it in a podcast not that long ago. I'm sure you can find it. But I was told in my conversations over the last few days directly that he made that decision, that he knew he couldn't win a title with last year's team, so he decided to chase something historic for himself. Now, I'm not actually all that mad at him for that decision. I'm just mad at those who want to pretend he didn't make that choice or that he hasn't made similar self-serving choices throughout his career. It served him well. Don't tell me he's a leader, though. Don't tell me he's thinking what's best for Russ or AD or any of those other guys. He decided to do what was best for him last season, and it's not the first time. The only time I can recall Steph doing something along those lines was his pursuit of the all-time three-point scoring record last season. That became a focus outside of winning, and it took a toll. I'm told that as much as he wanted it, he didn't feel good about it for that very reason. And I have no doubt that part of his ugly crying, as he said, after winning the title, was in part because he was able to achieve it despite losing his way for a month or so in pursuit of that three-point crown and the energy it consumed. And if I had any other examples of Steph doing that, then I'd probably ratchet down my endorsement of him as a leader. But I don't. That was the exception, not the rule. If there's a final hurdle for Steph to clear, it would be leading a team without Draymond. Because, make no mistake, Draymond's emotion and fieriness has been a part of the leadership formula for the Warriors. Steph is a tremendous leader, but 
he's not the only leader with the Warriors, and I wouldn't say that he's a perfect leader. I don't know that he's capable of emotionally um, appealing to the entire Warriors team. He approaches a different way, as many leaders do. Do I think he's capable of leading the Warriors without Draymond? I actually think he is. His ability to figure out how he needs to adjust to do what's best served or what it's in the best interest of the Warriors has been pretty remarkable over the years. Play with KD, play without KD. Play with Clay, play without Clay. He's adjusted. So I think it's within his... I think it's it's in his bag. I also think he's not looking to prove that. So, um, look, there's a chance he'll have to face that hurdle. I'm sure he doesn't have any interest in facing it just to prove that he can clear it. That's not how Steph generally thinks. But there's no doubt that the Warriors' season just got a lot more interesting. It was going to be an interesting slog anyway to repeat as champions before Draymond slugged Jordan. But now they are going to truly be must-see TV for reasons beyond their explosive offense. Their potentially explosive chemistry is one. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And if you are looking for new gear, uh, maybe you're going back in the office for the first time in a long time, please check out my sponsor, Mizzen and Main, M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. They make uh, dress shirts, pants, pullovers, three quarters, you name it, fashionable men's clothing made out of performance wear material. Most comfortable stuff I've ever worn. Looks so good, I can wear it on TV. And the beauty of it is, I don't have to take those shirts to the dry cleaner to have them pressed, washed and pressed every week. I can wash them at home, I can hang them to dry, and they are ready to go. Maybe a little light ironing now and then, but for the most part, Never have to even pick up an iron. And I don't have to pay those dry cleaning costs. And since I want you to try it out, just give them a try. You can use the promo code BUCHER, B-U-C-H-E-R, 35 for $35 off on your first purchase. Please check them out. Mizzenandmain.com. Next podcast, got to get into those Lakers. Got to get into what I've been seeing from Anthony Davis. And, well, we haven't been seeing too much of LeBron. We've seen a little bit of Russ. But we'll get into all the ramifications, all the machinations that are going on with the Lakers in the next podcast, which will be coming out in the next couple of days because I'm getting back on my grind. I promise. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.